Good morning. Well, grab your Bible or your phone. Turn to Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 16. And we'll talk about for a little while why we are thankful for family. Are you thankful for family? The family is a powerful force. And everybody on the planet seeks to be a part of one. There are a lot of kids who don't have a family. And when they don't have a family, they form one. They call them gangs. And whether you're a street kid in an urban city or a, or a farm boy in rural Arkansas, you seek to be a part of a close-knit group of people, whatever that looks like. Because everybody desires to belong somewhere. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be respected. Everybody wants to be needed and valued, and we all need to feel necessary, don't we? God made us this way. If you, if you look up the definition of the word family, you're going to find various sentences used to define it in our generation. I am thankful to be a part of my biological family. Are you? I thank the Lord every day in my prayers that I was born to the family I was born to and for uh, my sisters and my wife and my children and my grandchildren and my all of those people that are what we would call blood kin. I am thankful and I pray for them all the time. Thankful to be a part of my biological family. I'm also thankful to be Included in God's family. Which is even more important than the biological family that I'm a part of. And I am thankful to be honored to be a part of this particular little portion of the family of God. Aren't you? And the rest of you that aren't are just enduring the rest of us. <laughs> Family is a strong bond that causes the greatest form of loyalty and pride and togetherness. We had a, a minister that went to our church many years ago, Paul de Grandchamp. What a precious man of God he was, him and his family. And every Sunday night back then we had, we had uh, Sunday night services and every Sunday night at 5 o'clock, he would gather with as many people as would show up at 5 o'clock before a 6 o'clock service. And that grew till eventually it became a big old circle of people. Every Sunday night, he would gather them together and they would pray for what the Lord was going to do that night. And they would just pray for each other because his favorite saying was, we need each other. I thought that was such a, a neat thing. Any of you that, that remember him or were around him... It, you would remember that about him, him always saying, folks, remember, we need each other. God created that need for each other. 
God wants us to depend on each other and depend on him. We depend on him more, don't we? Because we know that we can. But he created us to depend upon each other, to need each other, and to have a desire to fellowship with one another. And fellowship, as we talked about several months ago, doesn't mean getting together for coffee or going to dinner every once in a while. Fellowship is the actual joining of our lives together, the sharing of one another's burdens. It's doing life together. That's fellowship. God intended for us to have fellowship with himself and with each other. And he called that a family. And you'll defend your family, right? I mean, I know you'll defend your children and you'll defend your husband or your wife. And you'll, but you'll defend your, your, your blood kin. Even if somebody in the family is not right in the head, you'll defend them. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody's got one. He's crazy, but we love him. We know each other. We just, we're family, we know each other. We know what to expect. It's like the, the, the woman who, she was a little bit high strung. The husband was trying to call her from work. He was talking to his buddies and he says, I'm going to call her and ask her about something. So they were all standing right there together and he calls her. She had laid her phone down on a table, a small table. And when it began to ring, she was cleaning the house. So she was running over to get to her phone. And as she was headed for the phone, she tripped over a rug. So she fell and in falling, she grabbed the table where the phone was and pulled it to the ground. And the phone fell off and landed on the dog. And the dog started barking and howling. And and the little three-year-old heard all this and he started screaming and crying. So she grabbed the phone, pushed the button. Before she can even say hello... She's already cussing and all this other stuff's going on in the background. And the husband said, she hadn't answered yet, but I'm sure I've got the right number. I know that's her. We know each other. We'll defend each other. We love each other. We protect each other. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 gives us instructions Paul says that we should be devoted to each other like a loving family. We should excel in showing respect for each other. Don't be lazy in showing your devotion. Use your energy to serve the Lord. He goes on, he writes another place in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting in verse 15. He says, you know that the family Stephanus was the first family to be one for Christ in Greece. And this family has devoted itself to serving God's people. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters... To follow the example of people like these and anyone else who shares their labor and their hard work. It's interesting, Paul tells us here who the first family in Greece to receive Christ was. Wouldn't that be neat for that to be your legacy? said, our family, we were the first ones in Greece to accept Jesus. But there's something else here. That got my attention. I, I noticed a word that he used that is used three times in these four verses, three times that told me it must merit further study. It's the word devoted. And if you were to break down these two passages together, you would identify the following truths 
about a Christ-centered family. Whether that, now when we talk about a Christ-centered family, I'm not just talking about your family at home, but I'm talking about your family in the body of Christ. A Christ-centered family, whether that be in a big setting or if it be at your house, would have the following characteristics. They would be able to be described this way. First of all, they are devoted to each other. That word devoted is found three times there in those verses. They are devoted to each other. And the word means that they cherish. It says they're devoted to each other. They cherish one another. Do you have anything in your life that you cherish? Are there any, are there any specific things in your life that you, your things that you cherish are the things that you, that you try to protect the most, that you guard the heaviest. We have a, a, a lamp that was my mom's. We put it in, in the office at our house. And uh, every time Bradley comes over, he's got a Siberian Husky. But, he, but he, him and Bradley are buds, and, and the dog, he's outside somebody. He's inside. He's just six months old. And so him and Bradley are together. And when Bradley comes to the house, they knock on the door, and in comes Flash and Bradley. And we always make sure that the office door is closed when Flash comes to the house. Because as much as we love him, we don't want him to break that lamp. And he wouldn't, probably, but we do it anyway because we cherish that lamp. There are things that are important to you that you cherish. Most of the time, you think of inanimate objects as those things. This passage tells us that we should consider each other the objects that are worth cherishing. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? And he goes on to say that they are not lazy in that devotion. If you have a King James Bible, you would see that that passage translates the word here, a very interesting word. It's instead of saying they're devoted to each other, it says they were addicted to serving one another. If you want to be addicted to something, then be addicted to each other instead of to something. Hmm? Some people are just predisposed to needing something that they can call an addiction. And I'm not going to get into that. And I'm not so sure that an addiction is, 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 is truly scientific. I, I think that we form habits. And I think Jesus can break us of all those habits. And that every one of us can live a life of freedom. And that we need some help along the way. And that we need groups of people that can support one another until we can break some habits. But I'm telling you that when Jesus sets us free, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So 
I am not seeking to mask an addiction. I am seeking to be free from addictions. But if you want to be addicted to something, and if it's just your predisposition to be so, then get addicted to each other. Get addicted to serving and cherishing one another. Addicted to serving the members of your family the way that you would serve the Lord. That's different for us because a lot of us, we do things ministry sake wise. We do things because we do them as unto the Lord. And that's the motivation for it. I'm going to serve because I'm serving the Lord. And the Lord is saying, serve me by serving each other. Not just by being committed to a certain task that you do weekly, but do it for this motivation. Don't do it because it's your week. It's your week to do that. Do it because you love me and do it because you love each other. Serve one another. Years ago, there was a woman named Karen Donovan and she started... A small business, are you ready for this, called Rent-A-Wife. Because she said there were so many people that needed help with balancing checkbooks and running errands and cleaning their homes. And so she launched this business through a, a small ad in the local newspaper and was doing so well that she decided, she was joking around about it one day, and she said, I'm going to add two more arms to this business. She said, one of them is going to be rent a husband, and the other one is going to be rent a family. Because she said, I've got two teenagers, and she said, what we'll do, so we could do what any family could do, and any family that, that needs to rent a husband and rent a family, she said, what we'll do is we'll come into their house, and we'll eat all their food, and we'll turn on all their lights, and, and we'll put handprints on the walls, and we'll take showers and leave the towels on the floor. We'll make a serious mess, just like a family would do. And then when we're finished with rent a family, they'll have to call rent a wife. It's funny, but it's not how a family should treat each other. If we talk about what happens at your house now for a minute. How many of you know, how many of you ladies know it would be nice if the kids didn't leave their towels on the floor? One of the funniest commercials I've seen on television lately. So absurd, but they'll probably make millions of dollars. They're trying to convince women to buy this basketball hoop with a hamper under it. Because they think that the kids will have so much fun cleaning their rooms now. Throwing all their... Do you know what they're going to throw in that hamper besides their clothing? Thinking that's funny for you to take to the laundry room? All their trash... The neat thing about it, though, Mom, is you just go in every so often and you unhook it from the basket. You take it straight to the laundry room. And while you're gone, the kids can keep playing basketball as if that's all they ever do. 
And then when you bring it back, you can hang it back up. And from now on, you'll never pick up clothing off the floor again. Because the kids will be so fired up about throwing everything in that hamper. Fun won't get the work done. But cherishing one another will. You shouldn't have to rent a wife because yours is so worn out from trying to keep up after your mess. Mm, Man, I'm doing some teaching this morning. Come on now. I'm trying to help you. Ladies, get ready. Dad should help. Kids should help. I'm not going to brag on myself, but I'm going to tell you something about Deb and I. She and I are different. You could never tell that by being around us. But I'm a big picture person, and she's a detail person. So my concept of cleaning the house is different than hers. But I do. I do what I see. I just see out there. I see things like trash needs to go out, so I do it. I see floors that need to be vacuumed, so I do it. Clothes need to be washed, so I wash them. Dishes need to be done, I do it. If anything ever happens to Deb, I'll have a whole long line of ladies now that be interested in me. They say, I gotta, I'm going to chalk that back. I'm going to chalk that back. He ain't much to look at, but I sure would like to have somebody cleaning the house. But the difference is now that Deb will go in and she'll see things like, hey, let's clean the shower. Let's clean a toilet every once in a while around here. You know, I don't think about all that kind of stuff. You don't look at the shower that much. I mean, I try to be careful to knock all the soap down you know, because soap goes everywhere. I try to knock it all down. But I'm not thinking about getting in there with that scrubbing pad. The detail stuff, it just doesn't cross my mind. But I do think about the things that I can see, and we work together. And here's the thing. I'll tell you something about she and I. We both work hard. And if the truth was known, you'll find her in the office longer hours than you find me. I'm at meetings. I'm all over the place. I'm here, and I'm there, and I'm doing what I do. But you'll find her in the office more hours. So when we come home, it's not right for me to think, hey, I've been working all day. You need to fix dinner and you need to clean. And and a lot of guys live that way with their children. They have small children. They work all day. They come home and their wife worked all day too. So when they get home, he sits down, turns on the TV. She cooks dinner. Then she gets the kids baths and she gets the kids to bed. And then after a while, then, then she comes through and he says hi. And then it's time for him to go on to bed. And they think that this is normal. But she doesn't think that this is normal. So she's calling me and saying, we need to have counseling. When if he cherished her. "Mm, Man, I'm doing some teaching this morning because we're talking about how we're thankful for the family. Guys, if you're thankful for your family, treat them right so you get to keep them. Kids, if you're thankful for your parents, treat them right so they don't get rid of you. They're just looking for an excuse, guys. Some of y'all ain't but like 15. They already got it on. They're, they're like, when they're 18, that's it. I mean, they're, they're gone. They're out of here. 
I don't care if they're in college. I don't care if they have a job. 18 and they're out. You want to get to hang around there and get that free rent a little while. Get you one of them hampers. (laughs) Request that for Christmas this year. He went on to say that, secondly, the way that you'd know a Christ-centered family is they would be respectful of each other. In fact, it said they would excel in showing respect for each other. How many 16-year-old boys do we have here in the house today? Do you excel in showing respect for your mama? Woo. Mama's fixing to get, there's a lot of mamas around here that we, ain't, we didn't even know were Pentecostal. They're fixing to get hankies out and be running all around the building. So we came in here Lutheran, but today. <clears throat> mm. I don't know who you are, but I'm keeping you. Excelling in showing respect means that they honor and they prefer the others in the family more than themselves or their own wants. That's what that means. Did you hear that? Respectful of each other. Here's what it means. They excel in honoring and preferring the others in the family over themselves. That means they're not jealous when somebody else in the family gets blessed. Let's not just keep that in the house. Let's take it to the house. Let's bring it to the church. So the next time you see somebody in your family at the church get a new car. Don't go away saying, got them a new car. Wish God would bless us. I hope so-and-so likes her new dress today because it's been a long time since I had one. They're not jealous of each other. They're not envious of each other's positions. They're not envious of each other's calling or of each other's position. There are some people who are jealous of someone else's spiritual gift. Man, I wish I could teach like so-and-so or lead like this one. But you can't because you're you. You should teach the way the Holy Spirit empowers you to teach or lead the way he empowers you to lead or do or act or say or whatever it might be. Don't be envious of someone else. Be yourself and be the best at being you. And somebody else will be like, man, I wish I was more like them. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. But honor and prefer each other over the other. Earl Wilson wrote this. He said, an exhaustive study shows that no woman has ever shot her husband while he was doing the dishes. Rose Sands. 
probably not her real name, but it's what the name she writes by. She wrote, to prove his love for her, he swam the deepest river, crossed the widest desert, and climbed the highest mountain. She divorced him. He was never home. The question to us is how are we showing our respect for the other members of our family here and at home? Do we excel in showing respect? Do we prefer everyone else in the family over ourselves? Or have we become very comfortable allowing others to do everything while we sit and watch them? Let's work together. Let's rejoice in each other's victories. Let's seek to serve instead of instead of putting ourselves first. Here at, here at this church, we, are, we, we talk about it. We are, we are constantly working to create a serving culture, not a taking one. And we know that it takes a few minutes for folks when they get here because, you know, people walk in. They, you you got to know that you're going to be at a place before you really get involved. And we understand that. In fact, we encourage that. In fact, the word tells us to do that, to know them that labor among us. But, but, but once you've been here for a little while, if you've been here a couple of months... And you know this is where you're going to be? Then get in the Discover class. Grab a membership packet. Here's a good place for everybody to say amen. And jump on in here and go to work. You say, but you don't need us. This is a big church. You got everything covered. Everything we, I mean, we come in and you got all the doors. I'm telling you, let me, let me explain something about this preference thing. Somebody's at that door welcoming you because they're preferring you over themselves. Did you see the guys in the parking lot this morning? You think any of them wanted to be out there? Well, they did, but I'll tell you why. It's because they preferred you. They actually, they enjoy what they're doing. I saw Jonah out there this morning. He didn't even know it. Man, Jonah, I mean, he, he, he was out there for a long time today. I watched him through the window. He was out there. He was, he was, doing, he was doing this kind of stuff. And he was bending over, and I can't even stretch like he could. I mean, he got up on the curb, and he nearly fell, and he caught his balance. This is why you were coming in trying to find a place to park. But every time somebody pulled up and, and a car was coming through, and he gathered himself, he was ready, he was waving. I'm, I'm embarrassing him right now, but I love Jonah and I could do it. I'm, I'm picking on him because I'm proud of him and he does an, an excellent job out there, just like all the rest of the people that work out in that parking lot and everywhere else that volunteers. But they do what they do because they love the Lord, but they love you. The way that you prefer someone is by giving that person a break. The way that you excel in honoring and preferring someone over yourself is that you say, when you come in on Sunday to the person to open the door, thank you. And then you say to yourself, I need to serve there so that they don't have to every week. It got quiet in here. When you, you say, think to yourself, what is the thing about our church you love the most? You say, I love the friendliness of the people. I go over to get coffee and there's people there and they're smiling. And they, they always got that coffee hot and ready to go. I love that about our church. All right, then serve there. Because whatever you love is probably something you could be excited about doing. Whatever you think is really great about what's going on, then jump in right there and work. Because there's a place for you to prefer someone over yourself.
1 Corinthians 16, 16 says, Follow the example of people like these and anyone else who shares their labor and hard work. Why? Because if you don't, you could end up like this guy named Thomas Hansen of Boulder, Colorado. He sued his parents for $350,000 on grounds of malpractice of parenting. He said that they had done such a terrible job as his parents that it was going to cost him so much money for psychiatric help, he was going to have to sue them for at least $350,000. That's rough. Mom and dad botched it so bad. Kipling wrote about families. He said, all of us are we and everyone else is they. It's true, but I challenge it. Because you will defend whatever is in your circle of family or love. None of us physically do it, but all of us somehow draw a line in our life we draw a circle and anybody in that circle is family and everybody outside that circle man some of y'all are too smart for me aren't you and for some of us you want you want inside this circle you got to earn that we're family in here. You earn to get inside this circle. I'm so thankful that God doesn't look at family the way we do. What would I have done if I had to earn the right to get in the circle? I could have never gotten in. I would have never gotten to be a part of the family of God. as I, Because if, if, if the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were examining candidates and they looked at me, they would have said, well, we can't let him in. He just doesn't qualify. It's not good enough to be in our family. Inside our family, we may have some that are weird, but they're blood. We love them. We, we take care. We defend. You know, we got our kids in here with us. We got everybody in here with us. Sometimes the only way people get inside your circle is if they start dating someone in the family or they get married. And then eventually, you you know, eventually. Did you hear that? Eventually, you... you A lot of you guys know what I'm talking about because when you started dating her, her dad didn't make it easy on you. Family gatherings weren't a great time, were they? Because they're watching you. We're going to see whether or not we're going to let him cut in the family. Hmm? But the family of God welcomes anybody into the circle. They don't have to be right, act right, smell right, look right. They don't have to earn it. We just welcome them in. When I say I'm thankful for family, that's what I'm talking about. I'm thankful that I got to be in this family. No person is ever alone who is a member of a family. People that aren't in a family are struggling. And I say all this today to tell you something. 
our family here has grown a lot, guys. I mean, it's grown a lot over the years. Our little family now, there's probably, close as we can tell, there's eight to 850 of us, as close as we can tell. That's just based on what shows up every Sunday and, and us counting every once in a while the folks that weren't here on top of that, all right? But I want to shock you with something and tell you something. The family is getting ready to get a lot bigger. The family is getting ready to grow a lot larger. And what we are doing here intentionally is we are taking the edges of the circle and we are stretching them out as far as we can take them in every direction. I love this family. I think this family looks like heaven. There's people in this congregation between this and the next service that are literally here from all over the world. There's people that are here from all over the world. You know what I love about our family? Sometimes you can visit with someone in our family and y'all can't even visit because you don't speak the same language. But you know your family. So you smile and hug each other. And everybody understands good morning and buenos dias. And we hug each other. I love that about our family. I love that about how that you could visit with anybody and ask them where they're from and you'll find out they're from all over the place. All different kind of denominations. All different kinds of backgrounds. But it's getting ready to, to grow. And so I want to leave you with the word. It's the word that we have used around here among the staff and board for the last couple of years because we knew that we had to do this in order to grow and do it in health and strength. And it's the word intentional. Everything we do now, we have to be more intentional than we ever were before. If we want to communicate something, we have to say it four or five times just so that you hear it once. Because people are in and out. And so I use this word intentionality to say... Let's be intentional about accepting the people that are headed this way. You'll have to be intentional about it. Let's be intentional about including them. You say, but we, we got our own little group here at the church. I mean, we, got our, we like our little group. That's fine. Have your group. It's cool. Have your group. I'm not trying to split, split your group up. Just include somebody in it. Open up the circle. Let's be intentional about welcoming and serving all those people who are joining our family. Let's treat our family at home in a godly fashion and then let's come to church and do the same thing. Amen. I'm proud of you. I appreciate you. I, I want what's best for you. I pray for you. I celebrate with you. And I want you as my family to excel and I want us together to bring glory to God. And so I would say to you, whether you've been here a long time or just a short time, 
be very intentional about opening up the circle. You know what the best phrase? Here's one phrase that everybody in this church needs to know and adopt. How long have you been coming to Trinity Fellowship? That's inclusive. You say, well, why would we say that? Well, it's better than, is this your first time? And they've been here for six years. You find that happening more and more, don't you? You're like, wow, I just met somebody today. They said they've been coming here for three years and we've never even met each other before. It's going to get worse. It's going to get harder as the circle gets larger. So what you say is, hi, my name's Darren. How long have you been coming to Trinity? And they say, this is my first day. And you say, awesome. Or they say, I've been coming for six years. You're like, wow, that's amazing that we haven't ran across each other before now. But let's get acquainted. Let's get to know it. Let's, let's be intentional about honoring, preferring, including, accepting, loving, welcoming. Can we do it? If you're thankful for your family, then make your family better by the things that Paul has taught us in this word today. Today there are several members of our family who are hurting. Several members of our family today are struggling. We have people in our family at all stages and cycles and seasons of life. We have some among us who are trying to find their direction, just trying to find their way. We've, we've got, we, we have some, I'm not going to embarrass you, but we have some young college age people in our church who are just trying to figure out what does next look like? For all of those of you that have been married and have been married for a long time, that stress is gone. You're like, well, at least I know who, I, who I'm going to be with. I don't know exactly where we're going to go. But there's some that are sitting here today. They're like, I don't know who he or she is. I don't know how to find that. I don't know how to make that happen. That's stressful. And on the other spectrum of that, there's some that have been married for 50 years who have lost that person. There are some who are here today who just found out about an illness in their life. And they're scared. Anybody would be. They're living with some kind of disease that they know could take their life. There's people in this room that don't know how they're going to pay their bills. They love Jesus, but they don't know how they're going to pay their bills. That's stressful. There's people here that, that have grown children that just refuse to live right, that are bringing their so, they're bringing so much stress into a home that they shouldn't even be at anymore because they should be gone. I'm telling you, it can go on and on and on naming things, talking about things. Everybody in this room's got something going on in your family that is stressful. 
And praying that away is not going to work. You can't, you, you don't want to pray this season away because once this season is gone, everything good in this season may be gone too, not just the bad. You got to learn how to live in the moment and cherish every moment and be thankful for every moment right now. So what you need is a family to gather you and accept you and love you and serve you anyway through this so that when you get through yours, you can help them in theirs. That's what a family is. Here's how we're going to conclude our time today. I'm not going to ask you to stand. And I know that makes, it makes you very vulnerable. But if you're struggling right now. And you've got some kind of a real need in your life. Tragedy. Grief. Illness. Debt. Whatever it might be that is weighing heavily on you, that's burdening you down. Please do me the honor right now of putting your hand in the air. Would you do that? Am I talking to you? Am I talking to anybody? Put it up. I know it's hard. Put it up, but keep it up there. Put it up and keep it up there. Keep it up there. Come on, who else? Now, everybody in this room, look around. Look around. Physically, take a minute, look around. I'm not talking to somebody else, I'm talking to you. Look around. Do you see anybody around you with their hand lifted? Then here's what we're going to do. As they lead us in this song, those with their hands raised, I want you to stay seated right where you're at. And I want everybody else to get up and circle around your family. Don't leave one of them. This is a desperate situation today. This is what family does. We bear one another's burdens. Keep those hands up. You had your hand up. Put your hand up. Now I want everybody else stand to your feet. And I want you to encircle those people. Circle them with your love and with protection. If the Lord tells you to speak a word of encouragement to them, then do it. If he tells you to give him a hug, you go ahead. But somebody today needs the family more than they ever have before. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Praise you for the family. I praise you for the family. I thank you for the strength, the love, the patience the help that comes from family. Lord, today I am believing you. I do not say this in a trite fashion, but God, I mean this from my heart. I'm believing today for absolute miracles. Absolute miracles. As this family bears one another's burdens, honor their obedience and their faith, honor the vulnerability of the one that lifted their hand, the obedience to acknowledge their need today for help. I pray, oh God, honor that and may there be miracles throughout this house. God, open up doors and let lights come on at the end of dark tunnels. Speak peace. Health and strength. 
minister, I pray, O oh Lord. Let that sweet Holy Spirit come down right now in this room. and Just envelop us. Let there be a knowing in our spirit, a knowing. God, I hurt, but I know I'm going to be all right. I know I'm going to make it. Send your Holy Spirit right now. Comfort and touch and teach and help. Guide and direct. 